What's up? We're back. It's Wednesday. We're getting weird. We're shedding some light on a new topic. Volume 43, Michael, how you doing? Splendid. Well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Splendid. Yeah. I was trying to come up with a new word today, so I'm doing I'm doing well. Um, nothing really, like, new to report on. Things are just kind of going. And well, when, things, going. when things are going, they're not stopping. That is a fact. So, I can't, you know, you can't argue with that. There you go. There you go. How are you doing, Jack? Doing just dandy. Dandy. Splendid and dandy on this Wednesday. Hope everyone else is doing well, too. Yeah. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, you ready to learn? Yeah. To, to shed some light. Yeah, yeah. Hope you have a Miller Light in hand if, you know, time permits. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. If not, hopefully you learned something today. Jack, what are we talking about? Well, you know, I thought about, you know, doing a, a one that would be a pretty topical. The Field of Dreams game is coming up tomorrow. Yeah, let's go. As this, game, as this is released Thursday. Uh, so we are talking about uh, one of the main characters who is in the Field of Dreams movie and the conspiracy that surrounded him. We're talking about the Black Sox scandal oh, of 1919. Yeah, okay, okay. So we're, we're doing a little deep dive into that. A little background for anybody who doesn't know about it. The official like kind of overview of the conspiracy theory is the uh, Chicago White Sox intentionally threw games in the 1919 World Series so that bettors could uh, bet on the Cincinnati Reds, and in return, the players would make some of the money that was bet on the Reds. Whole big thing. A uh, lot of people involved. Um, there was like eight officially, but there's kind of like a little bit less of those are like kind of the main players or two that are just kind of thrown in that we won't really talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, the main people that are involved, by the way, these guys are such 1919 baseball players' names. Dude, I It's think, not even funny. I think that uh, baseball players before, like, I would say, like, 1940 or so might have had some of the greatest names just in the history of names. Dude, you want, you want me to run through the, like, six major guys in this? Oh, yeah. First guy, Chick Gandil. Yep. Lethal. Eddie Sycott. Eddie. Big Ed. Lefty Williams. Yes. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Absolutely. Buck Weaver. Okay. Fred McMullins and, uh, hold on, I got I to get this. William Sleepy Bill Burns. Sleepy Bill, baby, let's go. I was waiting for like a chaps to get thrown in there. No, 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 no chaps, but I, I think my favorite might be Lefty Williams. I like Sleepy Bill. Anytime you can just throw in a lefty, like a, a solid, like, it used to be like Lefty Grove was a pitcher, dude, like, I, I want to know if these are like. I want to need, I want to know if like and he is Lefty Williams was a pitcher. I want to know if these guys like I want to know if their actual names were Lefty. No shot. Like, imagine like your mom and dad being like what are we going to name this kid like Righty. Lefty. And then he and he's you were like <laughs> we're going to make him dominant hand Lefty. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what he does, it's always going to be in his left hand. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you. Baseball player names back in the day were phenomenal. Yeah. So, little overview for all these people. Chick Gandil is the first play, first baseman. Eddie Sycott is one of the best pitchers in the entire major leagues. He won 29 games in 1919. Knuckleballer. Oh, Lethal yes. with the go. knuckleball. Let's go. Lefty Williams is the second best pitcher on the White Sox, but still a like top pitcher in the major leagues. Shoeless Joe Jackson, obviously. All-star uh, outfielder. 
who batted 315 with 90 plus RBIs in 1919. How you doing? Uh, Buck Williams is the top leadoff hitter in the major leagues at this time and one of the best infielders. And then Fred McMullins and uh, Fred McMullen is a like utility infielder, and I believe William Burns is a pitcher. Sleepy Bill. Sleepy Bill. So Fred McMullen sounds like um like a radio host. Fred McMullen back with WQRZ nine eighty seven yeah. here in the morning. <laughs> and then uh, what was the other guy? Buck William. Buck Weaver. Buck Weaver. Um, sounds like he should be like a a, a hunter, like an. I was, yeah, I was gonna say like, he, like he's winning the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah. He's he's got some he's got some deers taxidermied up on his wall. Yeah, 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 for sure. Buck Weaver, baby, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So then, those are the the players that are involved, and then the top gambling boss is this New Yorker named Arnold Rothstein, and so he was a big gambling guy, lots and lots of money. Um, I was just waiting for you to drop like. Vinny Del Vecchio. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and Arnold Rothstein, uh, like I said, very highly connected. Lots of money, lots of people in his pocket. A little, a little backstory to show you how many people are in his pocket. Uh, there was one time that his establishment in which he ran his betting out of, uh, which, by the way, in 1919, it's illegal to bet, to bet on sports, uh, was raided by the police, and he was arrested. Uh, but instead of him being charged with anything, the judge actually ruled that he that all the charges should be dropped and that the police had to personally go and apologize to him for raiding his place. <laughs> so if you want to talk about Money how talks. connected he was, he was very connected. He's got and some that, big pockets. Yeah. And that kind of plays into, you know, why you'll find out later kind of why this continues to go on, why this happens, is that they know that this guy is so connected. So the story goes the White Sox are, you know, late into the year. They are a couple games up on the Cleveland Indians in the American League, and they are about to clinch the pennant. They basically are on a road trip to Washington, D.C., and they have a couple games left to play, but they've all but kind of clinched the pennant. they got to win like one or two out of the next like eight. Okay. So, Chick Gandil, he, and this is also something that goes very under-talked about, the reason this thing kind of started is because he heard that players on the Chicago Cubs threw the World Series the year before, in 1918. So, so he just wanted part of, to be part of the action? Yeah, so he heard that Chicago Cubs players had made ten thousand dollars per player for throwing the world series and so you think about it, it's like oh, ten thousand dollars not that big of a deal at the time chick gandal was making nine or six thousand dollars per year for his contract so throwing the world series you'd be making almost double what you make in a year more than double no oh no no yeah almost double almost double what you make in a year so I always think I think I thought that was very funny when I was doing research on this. It was like this whole started because the Chicago Cubs did the World Series the year before. Yeah, never got proven, but this that's where it kind of starts. Um, and so Chick Gandel is is you know headed to Chicago or headed to Washington on this train, and he is good friends with Eddie Sycott, who is the best pitcher on the team. Uh, so they're sitting on the train, and Chick brings up the idea of throwing the World Series if they get there to Eddie. He's like, hey, 
you know, kind of blah, 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 what you're thinking of this. He was like, I heard the Cubs made $10,000 a player. Um, you know, kind of like, would you be interested in doing this? Yeah. And uh, Eddie is like, you know, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't really like feel good about this. I don't want to do that. Um, blah, blah, blah. So they get to Washington and, and, and Gandal brings it up again. And he's like, hey, think about your family. Think about, you know, who, you know, the stage of your career that you're in. Psychot's 35 and just had, like, a shoulder injury. So he's like, think about this. Like, you're not going to, you know, like, just be time. Be yeah. bucks for you're, too much longer. You're not going to be, you know, rolling the dough. So you need a backup plan. So Psychot again turns him down, but he's like, you know what? I, I'm not going to say no completely this time. I'll think about it. Yeah. So third time he comes up. They're still in, like, Washington on the East Coast road trip. And this time, Gandil comes with a lot more money. He actually has, like, betters who he's, like, in cahoots with, Rothstein and his associates, who are he's, like, in cahoots with. And he brings them to Psychot. And he's like, hey, man, like, listen, this isn't, like, a fucking joke. He's like, here are the people that are going to do it. Like, we're going to, you know, we can do this. We just got to get more people on board. So Psychot finally agrees that he's going to throw the world series and that's kind of like the first domino that falls mm -hmm. so by then they kind of go to he talks to lefty williams he gets him buck weaver actually turns them down they said that he was like super competitive and was like no shot he was like i don't care how much money you're paying me um you like i'm i i want to win this for like me um and He's like, no, 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 fuck this. They get Fred William, Fred McMullen and William Burns. Um, and this is another part that kind of goes on. They talked about Shoes Joe Jackson actually turns them down as well. Okay. So I feel like his name is the name that always comes up with this Black Sox scandal. Yeah, when you first brought that up, that was the, the one name that Shoeless Joe head. Jackson, yep. And his name always gets kind of brought up with this. He never accepted – he never said that he would throw a game. He always denied it. The reason that he gets implicated in this is because he accepts $5,000 from one of the players who did throw one of the games. And okay. I feel like his name kind of gets, like, dragged through the mud with this whole thing. I mean, that's the price you got to pay when you have such a sweet nickname. You want to know why he got his nickname? Because he had no shoes. Nope. Uh, during one of his, uh, I guess they didn't really have the minor league, so it was a semi-pro event. He hit a double, and uh, one of his shoes ripped, so he just took off his shoes at second base. Yeah, let's go, baby. He was just running the bases barefoot. Nice. So they nicknamed him Shoeless Joe. And so he gets kind of like, I feel like he gets kind of like a bad rap through this whole thing. Yeah. When, like, realistically, sure, did he take money from someone that did throw a game? Yes. But did he actually agree to throw a game? No. Right. And so one other thing that's crazy about this whole thing, uh, they wanted to like drive up viewership and like listenership from all this. Uh, the 1919 World Series between the Reds and the White Sox was nine games. First to five wins. Yeah, why not? Just like, fuck it. We're just going to make Let's it go, more baby. games. There you go. So to make it more believable... Uh, and I also thought this was funny that they would they would just be like, yeah, I'll turn it on kind of when I want to. Psychot agrees to throw the first game in Cincinnati, but it, but then counterpoints that by being like, I'm going to win 
the third game, or the, the fourth game, when we play in Chicago. He's like, it's going to be more believable if I throw it in... On the road. On the road than if I throw it at home. Yeah. He's like, I can't just be, like, grooving meatballs. He was like, this guy was like... Like I said, he, he won 29 games. He was, right. he was dominating. Right. Yeah. So it gets to the first game of the World Series, and the conspiracy goes that Sycott is pitching. He throws a strike to start the game. Um, and he said that he knew that he had his stuff that day. He was like, I, like I'm on. I'm on my shit today. And he said, like, he took a long, like, look in at, like, the dugout at Buck Williams, or at, uh, not Buck Williams, Chick. at, yeah, Chick Gandal. And he was like, all right, fuck it. Like, I'm, I'm, he's like, I need this money. I'm going to do it. And so the second pitch of the game, he beams the Reds batter in the back. And that was, like, the sign to, like, the gamblers in, like, New York that were, like, watching the game and, like, doing everything like that. That was the sign to be, like, okay, like, put all your fucking money on the Reds like we're throwing this game. So they end up losing the first two games to the Cincinnati Reds. And at this time, their catcher, after the second game, the catcher for the White Sox, I forget his name, who is not in on this, is like furious. Because he, again, is like, obviously he's ultra-competitive, but he's like, they're like, I'm throwing down signs for like a fastball. He's like, he's throwing me a changeup down the middle, but he's shaking yes for the fastball. He's like, what the fuck is going on? And so he goes and he tells the manager. The manager calls like a, a team meeting after the second game, and he's like, like straight up, he's like, who is is anybody throwing these games? He's like, you know, I've heard like multiple reports. He doesn't name the catcher, but he's like, I've heard like multiple reports that like there's like some shady business going on. Yeah, yeah. And everyone, like, you know, obviously denies it, and they're like, no, 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 like, we're, we're good, yeah. And so he's like, all right, fine, like, we'll keep going. So in between game two and game three when they're at the hotel, Chick Gandalf is supposed to get some of the money every time that they throw a game. Right. It was like their, like, kind of insurance policy. It was like, if you guys, every game that you throw, we'll pay you immediately after that game, just a little bit, like, of what we were going to pay you. Mm-hmm. So after game two, when they're supposed to be getting some of the money, they don't get all of the money. So they're like, what the fuck? So this is their like first red flag to be like, these betters who we're trying to be in cahoots with aren't like playing the game how we said, how we agreed upon. So they are like, all right, like what the fuck? And he's like, the guy's like, no, 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 don't worry. Like I'll talk to, you know, Rossi and I'll get the money for you guys. It'll be all good. So they go on. Game three, they win. Uh, game four, I believe it's game three. One of the two, they lose. So they're down three to one in the series. And after this game, they don't get the same amount of money again. And they're like, and this guy, this the guy uses the same excuse. He's like, ah, don't worry. Like, we're waiting for like Rothstein to cash out his bets with like betting on the Reds. Uh, you know, we'll get you the money then. And so they, he still doesn't get the money. So they actually all agree to be like, yeah, like, fuck them. We're going to actually, like, try and win the World Series now. But they're already down, like, three to one. Right. So they're, like, kind of in a hole. They win one more game but end up losing the World Series four to two. And so... Wait, wait, wait. I thought, I thought it was first team to five. Five to two. Five to two, yeah. Sorry. 
Um, so the day after the World Series ends, um, there's a note in Eddie Sycott's locker says like come and meet with Charles Comiskey, the owner of the owner of the White Sox, and he just doesn't. He blows it off. He leaves. Shoeless Joe Jackson is actually so torn up about this that he himself tries to go meet with um, Charles Comiskey himself. He's like, hey, I need to talk to like Mr. Comiskey like, immediately, and Comiskey's uh, assistant turns him away. Says, no, 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 like, he's not doing anything. Because apparently the manager had already told Comiskey, he was like, hey, here are the seven people that like I've heard about and they're all implicated in this. Yeah. Also, little side note. I told you at the beginning that Shoeless Joe Jackson was a 315 hitter with 90 RBIs. Shoeless Joe Jackson in that World Series hit 375 and drove in 8 of the 17 runs at the White Sox scored. Oh, what a guy. So, again, I feel like his name gets dragged way too much for this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He gets he is the like immediate name that comes up with this and he did fucking nothing wrong. He took money. Sure. That's wrong. Did he throw any games? Fuck no. Shed some light out here trying to clear up shoeless Joe Jackson. I am I am fucking cre- clearing shoeless Joe Jackson. Bullshit the, the fucking the penalty that they got and everything that they got coming to him. Sure. Chuck Gandel, Eddie Sycott, Lefty Williams, fuck them all. Shoeless Joe Jackson. I will fucking I will die on this hill defending you till the end. There we go, baby. There we go. I will go. not stand here for the shoeless Joe Jackson slander. Again. So he's fucking doing everything he can. It also didn't help that he did make the last out in game seven. Oh yeah, that's tough. So, you know that's tough. whatever. But at the same time, what can you do? So he ever he ends up not being able to talk to Charles Comiskey. They go home. Uh, and nothing really happens for, like, a year. They go on, they play the next season, uh, like, Psychot continues to dominate, um, Shoeless Joe Jackson continues to dominate, like, everything, it's, like, kind of going well next season, like, they're, the, sh- the White Sox are still dominating, and then a article comes out in one of the papers, kind of, like, putting this all on blast, being like, hey, here's what happens, blah, 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 all this stuff. Also, during the offseason, in between seasons, um, Charles Comiskey goes kind of like public and is like, I'll give anybody a $20,000 reward if they can come forward with any information about the game-fixing scandal, which this is good and bad in the public eye, public eye because, one, it, it, it immediately looks like you're trying to, like, right the wrongs if there was any. right. But also, B, it could be that you're trying to pay for information that you can then squander to cover up said cheating scandal. Yep. So it's like a 50-50 depending on how people take it, if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But it does raise like some type of flags, being like, why does this owner want to know anything about a cheating scandal that nobody's really talked about yet? Right. Um. So eventually... In, like, I want to say it's, like, mid-September of 1920, they have to go to court, basically. And the psychot gets, like, eaten up by the guilt, and he confesses this whole thing. 
uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson confesses, um, and they all kind of go down for this. They can't really tie anything to Rothstein, which sucks, because, like, he kind of was... The mastermind behind it, basically. Yeah, but so there's also a, a conspiracy about that. Chuck Gandall says that Rothstein's associate reached out to them, and everybody else kind of says that Gandall went to Rothstein oh. and was like, hey, okay. I got something for you. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they all get, you know, found guilty. And Psychot confesses under the assumption that if he tells everybody, tells them who was in on it, he'll get immunity. And then Shoeless Joe Jackson just kind of does it because... He's a good guy. Yeah. And he, like, doesn't really think that, like, in a way, he doesn't really think he did anything wrong. Yeah. He's like, I played my fucking hardest. You can tell by the stats I played my fucking hardest. He was like, I never really, like, did anything. Um... But this is not true, however, and both of them get, like, not arrested for it or whatever, but the reason that Psychot doesn't get any immunity is because they wanted the gamblers. They wanted the people that they that were betting for them mm-hmm. to be the ones implicated, and Psychot never met with Rothstein. It was Gandil who did all, like, the communicating between them. So Psychot really can't rat on them, and when they knew that he couldn't rat on them, they're like, all right, fuck it. Like, doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, they all get banned from MLB permanently. They they are immediately, you know, suspended, definitely fined. Uh, and they, not only can they never play in the MLB again, they can never get into the Hall of Fame again. And so, it has been, their, their suspension has been appealed multiple times, specific, specifically, in the case of Shoeless Joe Jackson, but has been upheld every single time, which is fucking bullshit. Shoeless Joe Jackson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But at the end of the day, he was at he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that that's very true. And it's one of those things where it's like like I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like if I was the guy that was brought in and, and somebody told me they were like, Hey, like, we're gonna throw these games. And I was like, no. Like, I'm not going to immediately go around and report them because, like, I don't want to fucking lose the World Series. I know that my best option to win the World Series is having my two best pitchers on the mound, regardless of if they're going to throw games or not. The Reds had no idea this was going on, did they? No. That kind of sucks. It was also their first World Series ever. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Knowing that you won it because the other team purposely wasn't trying. Well, to be fair, the Reds had the best record in the MLB. Still. They were a very good team and probably well-deserving to win the World Series that year. But at the same time, it's like, kind of kind of sucks. Yeah, for sure. But my whole takeaway from this is that I feel bad for Shoeless Joe Jackson. Yeah, me too. Sweet nickname. I was about to say, besides the nickname, he really got nothing out of it. Yeah. I mean... Save some for the rest of us. Joe Jackson is already a cool name. Yeah, you know, dude, Shoeless, shoeless Joe. That, it's just like, come dude, on. and like it just works regardless. Like, like Shoeless Joe Jackson, cool. Shoeless Joe, Joe. cool. Joe Jackson, yeah, by sweet, itself, cool. Like it's just, it's just cool. He's just got a cool name. Just a cool dude. And it sucks. Like everything about like him, like he seems like a genuinely like good guy. He didn't know how to. He was illiterate. He didn't know how to read. 
So, like, he didn't really, like, he just had someone else kind of, like, do everything for him. Mm-hmm. So, I almost feel bad for him in the fact that, like, he just, like, took the money that his, like, roommate gave Probably him. just needed it. Yeah. And so, it's, like, one of those things where, like, that just fucking, that sucks. Yeah, that's tough. Also, very underrated part of this whole story that I forgot to tell. Uh, in between the 1919 uh, World Series, or season and 1920 World se- Season, Comiskey hired a private investigator to go down and, like, pose as, like, a real estate agent or whatever and kind of, like, see what if they like you know spent anything um gandil had bought a house in florida that cost eight point five thousand dollars which was two and a half thousand dollars over his pay <laughs> so it's <was> just like <laughs> how'd you get that money it was like well i don't fucking know dude it's just it gave me a sweet deal i had a, i had a groupon over here that <laughs> gave me a discount on this house <laughs> i like eight point five thousand dollars <laughs> yeah but hey man dude 19, 1919 that was a lot That's of money a lot of money yeah 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 but i also they were i the podcast i was listening to about it was talking about the inflation out of it that's only like so if you took their pay for that year it's like if they were made if you just took it as inflation and you were you know putting it at them it'd be they were major leaguers they were top major leaguers earning uh a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Oh, that's tough. It's like yikes. I mean, still great money, but yeah. tough for like yeah in the grand scheme of things, being a major leaguer. Yeah, and now there's people signing two hundred million dollar contracts. Right, right. People, people making a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a day. Yeah. <laughs> so, and ending takeaway justice for Shoeless Joe Jackson. There you go. I can get behind that. Hopefully Let's go, baby. Shoeless Joe. There we go, baby. I might get a Shoeless Joe White Sox jersey. Dude, I was just thinking about that. Midway through, I was like, a Shoeless Joe Jackson jersey would be kind of cool. But I feel like you couldn't put Jackson on the back of it. I think you'd have to put, I think you have to get it customized and put Shoeless Joe. Yeah, probably. Because, like, Jackson, it would just be like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, yeah. So, there you go. That is where we are wrapping up this episode of Weird Wednesday. Tune into the Field of Dreams game tomorrow. White Sox versus Yankees in Dyersville, Iowa. Going to be awesome. Um, grab some Miller Lights and Suck enjoy the rest balls, of your Yankees. week. <laughs> um, coming back for our regularly scheduled episode on Friday. Have a great rest of the week. In the meantime, you know the drill. Keep them cold. Keep them cold, everyone.